Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. This episode is going to be a lottery recap for the Cavaliers, but before we get into that, I wanted to get into some return-to-play updates. The NBA and the Players Association have reached an agreement for the eight teams not in the Orlando bubble, the Delete Eight, to conduct voluntary workouts, group workouts, while residing in a campus setting, basically meaning in-market bubbles for each team. The schedule will be from September 14th to the 20th. We will see individual workouts and daily testing, and then starting on September 21st, going till October 6th, we'll see group training, and each player will also have their own living accommodations. Again, it'll essentially be up to the standards, most likely, of the Orlando bubble, just on a on a market-by-market basis, I guess you could say. Five-on-five work will likely be limited to one hour per day. That's still being discussed, but that was the most recent report. Other reports have suggested the same thing. So again, that's not a number that's set in stone, but that is most likely what we're going to see. And we will also see up to five G-leaguers on each team brought up to practice with the main team. Now back on the Chicago Bubble episode, the five G-leaguers that I brought up were Marquise Bolden, J.P. McCura, Sir Dominic Pointer, Malik Newman, and Sheldon Mack as players that I thought would be in a restart situation for the Cavaliers, considering that up to five can be brought in. I'm assuming the Cavaliers will go with at least, will go with up to five. They will go with five. Say one of those guys can't go, I would consider adding Levi Randolph, 6'5 guard. He's 27 years old. He averaged 17 points with the charge. So assuming that maybe one of those other guys can't go, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Levi Randolph there as well. So some names to look out for once the restart happens for the Cavs. And again, not going to be scrimmages, but if you're Cleveland, you'll take whatever you can get at this point. Five on five, even if it is only an hour a day, is going to be very, very important for all of these teams, not just Cleveland. Just because, again, so many of these players have been off since March. You know, they've been having at-home workouts. Some of them have their own facilities. We've seen some players playing in other leagues. But to get back with the team and practice, even in a limited setting, is going to be very important. So good to see some progress being made there because, again, there was some doubt as far as what we could see happening. So good to see that there's at least something going. Again, even if it's not scrimmages. Looking at other news, the MVPA has also been preparing players for the probability that free agency and the draft, which were scheduled to happen on October 16th for the draft and October 18th for the start of free agency, those could both be pushed back several weeks, according to recent reports. This is due to the uncertainty about next season's projected revenues, which would be affected heavily by the f- whether or not you can bring fans into arenas. Obviously, fans buy tickets. They also buy merchandise and food when they're in the arenas. So that affects that large. That, that, that's one of the biggest portions of BRI, which is basketball-related income, which affects both the salary cap and the luxury tax lines for what would be the 2020-2021 season. This could also lead to the delay in starting next season, which is tentatively scheduled right now for December 1st. That seemed unlikely even before this, but... We will likely see this pushed back to, I would say, Christmas at the earliest. I think that 
that would be the date that the NBA targets. Just considering that, you know, in lockout years, that's the date that they've targeted for restarts. That's what I expect to see for this year as well. The hope is that waiting and seeing what goes on with the pandemic, we will get some more information, which could, you know, determine whether or not fans will be in the arenas so that we can just get a better understanding again of what the income will be for next year and see, just see where we're at. So just gather some more information. But for those looking forward to the draft and the free agency time and the start of next season, like I am, it is kind of disappointing to see that that will likely get moved back, but it does make sense that they're getting all moved together. You don't just want to move one and then have the dates that were supposed to be linked together now be crazy and all different. So it makes sense to keep them all together and to move them together as well. So I'm actually recording this before the lottery. I'll be back tomorrow morning to record with Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops. He's going to be on with me to basically, again, like I said, recap the lottery, see where the Cavs go from wherever they are. So hopefully when I'm recording this tomorrow, we'll have a high pick. We'll have to wait and see. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and our other two team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, and Nuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome back, everybody. The Thursday lottery has come and gone. The Cavaliers end up here with the fifth overall pick. Number number one overall pick, former Cavalier Brad Doherty, represented the Cavs last night. And even though he didn't win the lottery, he undoubtedly won best dressed. Joining me to help break down all of it is Derek Murray of Babcock Hoops. Derek, how are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. I feel like most Cavs fans should feel... I don't know, I guess somewhat happy with the pick they got. Could have been a little higher, but I feel like there's not too much to be sad about. Yeah. And um, if we could just talk about you for just a second. I know that you just got promoted at Babcock Hoops. We actually had Matt Babcock on last week. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing at Babcock Hoops now? Yeah, for sure. So I've been with Matt for probably about a year. Um, I've started out as a video scout, managed video scouting, and yeah, just recently he promoted me to director of scouting, which I'm really grateful for. So Matt and, and his team, hopefully y'all have listened before, um, you know, NBA agent for a long time at Wasserman and, and his group just provides a lot of intel to NBA teams and agencies about prospects from all over the world. So I help direct all the scouting there, mostly NCAA, some international as well. I help out with the mock drafts and write a couple pieces on the website every once in a while as well. So I'm just grateful to him for allowing me to be a part of the, the process and the projects they work on because I got their hands in a little bit of everything. So I, I love it. Awesome. All right. Well, looking at the Cavaliers odds in the lottery last night, They had a 14% chance at the first overall pick, a 13.4% chance at 2, 12.7% chance at 3, 12% chance at 4, 27.8% chance at 5, and 20% chance at 6th. So, well, it's not exactly what everybody was hoping for. It's not a disappointing outcome. It was actually the most likely outcome. So, diving right into it, if, if you're the Cavaliers, who are the top players on your board 
And who do you think will be off the board by the time that they get to the fifth pick? So obviously I'm, I'm really, really hopeful that LaMelo Ball would be there at five. There are scenarios where he could. Um, I, I'm not sure if Minnesota or Golden State would take him. It's, it's Charlotte and Chicago where you kind of worry that he'd go off the board there. So even though it's unlikely, I would have him number one on my Cavaliers board. I think Hayes, Okoro, and Avdia are the three that I would really, really look at and hope fell to me. And again, if I've got three that I'm that high on and I'm sitting at five, I like my chances, you know, providing that James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards go ahead. So I feel like you can get one of those guys. Okoro, I think, fits well because of his um, defensive presence, you know, on and off the ball. He's a stopper, excellent athlete, and has a lot of the tools you want in an NBA wing. Um, Avdia. I'm a sucker for point forwards. So a point forward who's 6'9", terrific straight line athlete, just a fiery, fiery competitor. You know, the kind of kid you want on your team, you want in your huddle and in your organization, just eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball his whole life. And Killian Hayes, I think teams at this point are a little bit low on him. They're starting to climb up in how they regard him. And I think he can be the point guard of the future for somebody. So the question for the Cavs is going to be, do we want to address the four or five position, or do we want to go with yet again another guard and then in two or three years decide who we want to extend and who we want to build around? I think, you know, the the fits and best player available discussion, the Cavaliers are one of the few teams where it's they can go either way because their roster is constructed in a way that a lot of guys could in theory make sense. Yeah. I'm interested to hear it was interesting hearing you say Killian Hayes is a guy for the Cavs because again if, if you feel like he's the best player available, then you, you go for it. But I just feel like that would just be such a bang your head against the wall pick for, you know, Cavs fans having yet another point guard drafted, especially not LaMelo Ball, who's the guy that everyone is looking at as far as a point guard in this draft. Right, so you exactly. Do believe and, that- and, I, and yes, and I would understand people's like frustration there, like no doubt about it. If you look at the four Eddie, let's say Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. I'm sorry, if, if Edwards, Ball, and Avdia go in the top four, I don't know. Hayes is the guy for me where it's like that's who I would want because I, w- I wouldn't take Wiseman. I would take Hayes over him at this point. So even okay. though it would be frustrating, that I, I think that would be the right call. I do agree with you on Okoro. Another couple guys that we've seen a lot as far as rumors for the Cavs are Onyeka Kongwu and Obi Toppin. I'm interested to see. I In particular, I am really a big fan of Onyeka, somebody who's just a versatile big I don't love player comparisons, but Bam Adebayo has been a popular comparison for Anika Kongwu. How do you think that either of them would fit into Cleveland's thing? So I think Okongwu would work out really well if Cleveland wanted to go big. Um, one of the reasons that I would select them over Wiseman is something you need to think about. So Wiseman's agent, the agency is Excel Sports. Excel Sports already has Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. So if I'm Excel, I don't know if I want all three of my big men on my client list in one place together because someone's not seeing the court um, or someone someone gets unhappy rather quickly. And that's where if I'm Cleveland, you know, I don't know if I would put those three guys in that situation together. So not only do I understand the hesitations on Wiseman as a big that a lot of people have, I think I would lean a Kongwu. I think he can play the four or the five, probably the highest floor out of bigs in this class. He's not some flashy ceiling guy. You know, you're not ever going to see YouTube highlights of Onyeko Okongwu, 
but you know what you're going to get day in and day out. And I think him being able to play the four or five, you know, six, nine, strong kid, long arms, great feet, great hips. He's got all the things that you want in, in a centerpiece down in the paint. So I think that would be a, a decent call. Yeah. We're talk, talking about players that, you know, wouldn't fit as well. Are there any players that at the top of the draft you are absolutely against picking that you think that the Cavaliers in particular should just absolutely stay away from? So why I, I do put Wiseman in that list, again, more for the agency part of it than yeah. um, anything anti-James Wiseman. I mean, he's a huge kid. He's very intelligent. Um, you know, speaks Mandarin. And I'd be curious to see how many NBA players are fluent in other languages that are from here. So, I mean, he speaks well to his intelligence. Um, but I would stay away from that reason. And Toppin is the one that I just – I have a hard time seeing that fit at all. Um, just because of the timeline. Like if you look at the ages of a lot of guys that are part of Cleveland's core of the future, you know, Toppin's already one of the older guys in the class. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense. So he's probably the only one that I say, you know, I, I wouldn't do this. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, I kind of talked with Matt Babcock a little bit about, you know, some of the other wings in this class. Do you think that the Cavaliers, obviously just because they have a need for the wing position, say that Okoro goes at number four to the Bulls and they just really want to go with a wing. Do you think that Devin Vassell or even Patrick Williams are talented enough to take that high or would that just be too much of a stretch? Well, it's going to depend on what you think Vassell's offensive ceiling can be. I love him as a catch and shooter. He's got one of the highest release points in the country. I mean, it is just way up there and he was 40 plus percent um, as a spot up shooter. So I'm all in on Vassell, probably the most active defender in the class as well. Five is just right on that cusp of you're going to leave guys on the board whose offensive ceilings are higher. So it depends, again, how much do the Cavs trust um, Sexton, Garland, and Porter as far as like building towards the future. If they think that two of those three guys are the answers down the road and can carry the offense, then Vassell at five to me, while it is a stretch – it makes sense and the argument can be made for it. So it's not one that I would write a write a piece on afterwards saying why it was a mistake, but you would have to admit like this is a stretch, but we see the exact role that we're going to ask him to fill. Yeah. And that's interesting to hear you say that you think that he is the best active defender in the draft. How do you compare Vassal defensively to Okoro? Yeah. So I think Okoro is better on ball as a, you know, an isolation stopper. You know, eight seconds left, somebody pulls the ball out to the top of the key. I would want Okoro on that individual. And as a help side defender, clogging passing lanes, help side at the rim, always communicating, fantastic team defender, that's where I see Vassell with the edge. So I think their their strengths on defense, while they're both – I don't like to throw the word around a lot, but compared to everybody else in the class, I would call them the elite defenders in this group the roles about how you would uh, match them up are a little bit different. Okay. Looking at Okoro's jumper, which seems to be one of the biggest weaknesses for him, obviously that's something that any player can work on. And I wouldn't say that Okoro is, you know, it's not like he doesn't have any hope for a jumper in the future, even if it's not a sure thing. Where do you think he's at right now with his jumper? And how much do you see as being a realistic improvement for him there? It is hard to like right now. Um, yeah, just pulled him up. 28.6% from three, um, 51 overall from the floor. What worries me is a 67% free throw. 
So that makes me come into bring into question a little bit the touch and whether or not he can develop that three point shot because again I'm no shot scientist but I know free throw percentage it, you do have to look at it as an indicator at least in some capacity at the next level and 67 percent is I don't like that um, he doesn't shoot poorly enough to make me stay away from him so there are some guys where I, I would pass on at certain points because of their shooting but even with the concerns there Okoro is not one of those guys for me. Looking at, you were talking about, you know, LaMelo being one of the guys who's probably on the top of the Cavaliers board. Is there any chance, any possibility that the Cavaliers could trade up to go for a guy like LaMelo? Or is there anybody else that you could see them trading up that they just couldn't pass up on? And is there a team in that top four? Obviously, the Warriors are one who are at least willing to give up that pick. But is there something there that the Cavaliers could realistically do to move up in this draft? So the Cavaliers are one of the teams. The Cavs and the Pistons are the teams that I think, you know, if I'm Minnesota and I don't want that number one pick, those are the teams I'm calling. Because a call with Cleveland is pretty easy. Hey, if you want LaMelo or even the Pistons or the Knicks for that matter, if you want LaMelo, you're going to have to come to one or two because Charlotte and Chicago, they're going to take them. Like Charlotte and Chicago, I don't see LaMelo getting through both of those. I think Charlotte's situation with, yeah, Graham's been awesome, so I think him and Ball could be a good complement to each other because they already need to admit they overpaid Rogier, so I don't think yeah. he's a long-term play there. So if you want him, I think you have to go get the number one pick from Minnesota. And what's tricky is just I don't know what they're going to want because Cleveland will have the advantage in the sense of, hey, I know you don't have a ton of other offers for this pick, so I'm going to yeah. lowball you at least a little bit. And then Minnesota is going to come right back and say, look, you know LaMelo won't be there at five, so you either want him or you don't. And that's yeah. where that's where the negotiation skills of the general manager and presidents have to be strong because I think that's kind of the argument for both sides there. Yeah. Is LaMelo the guy that you would trade up for? If, say, LaMelo goes number one, would you look to trade for that pick to take Edwards at number two with Golden State? No, or do you think that that's I, just not worth it? If LaMelo went one or a team traded up above me to take him at one, I would stay put at five. Because of those guys, Edwards, Wise, Edwards Wiseman, Ball, Hayes, Avdia, I mean, and even Okoro, like, even if you don't want Wiseman, mathematically one of those fall to you, or Okongwu. So because... Other than probably Ball and Edwards, there's not a superstar potential, at least at this point that we see, guy in this class. I would stay pat and not give up any other potential assets and just pick where I am at five. Okay. Do you think that Kevin Love is somebody who has – this is kind of a non-draft related question, but do you see him as somebody who has positive value this offseason? As far as somebody, you know, if say the Warriors, they did want to move up. Do you think that Kevin Love is an attractive piece at this point, or do you think that the, the contract and the, the the number of years is still something that teams will shy away from? A contract is definitely something that teams are going to shy away from right now, um, especially if the cap drops. If the salary cap drops and that luxury tax line comes down with it, then Love's contract gets even bigger and more difficult to move. Um, a lot of the teams at the top, they're not in win now situations so they don't make sense to even have the Kevin Love discussion anyway. I guess I can see a world where Golden State would think about it, but their their books are already so high with adding Wiggins money. It's like I don't know how I mean you'd have to be willing to spend so much in the luxury tax to add love to that team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I think that Cleveland would have to sweeten it because of that money. So not only are you giving them one and love, I think you're almost adding more picks than you would necessarily because of how big that contract is. So if somebody's in a win now mode, I think you can move that. But that would take a really special situation and you're probably going to have to attach stuff to it. I agree. Looking at the Cavaliers going the other way, is there a possibility that we could see the Cavaliers trade down? And if so, who are some teams that you think are kind of further further back in the draft that could be looking to pick at number five? Yeah, so I look immediately kind of following you guys. I think Detroit and New York would be interested of going seven to five or eight to five. Again, depending on – they both need a point guard of the future. So let's say hypothetically that you've got Edwards and Ball off the board and then Avdia and you know Okongwu or Wiseman go 3-4. Well, at that point, you've got a race for Killian Hayes. And if Cleveland wants to take – you know, doesn't want to take a guard, then I think you can call Detroit and New York and say, which one of you wants number five? Which one of you wants to come get Killian Hayes? And at that point, I could see them trading out of it. Uh, let me look a little bit farther down. San Antonio, they feel like an organization where if they have their sights set on someone, they'll go get them. I don't necessarily know who that is in the class. I could see them liking Okoro. I could really see them liking Vassell. And somebody that I actually I sent out a tweet about it a couple days ago is Portland. Right now they're slotted 16th. And I think that they could really use an Okoro or Vassell on their team. They need a wing defender. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has stepped up and has performed really, really well, especially in the bubble. But I think you need somebody beside him and CJ and Dame. So if I'm Portland, you know, that's a huge jump from to go to 16 to 5. But if the guards are gone and it's about to be a core of a sell time, that's something that I think would at least be fascinating and they would at least discuss. Yeah. What do you think of Nasir Little for Portland? Is that somebody who you think can be that guy or would that be somebody that they'd even be willing to give up? in a trade to go back or to, to, to move up in the draft. I think Little and Simons are the two guys that can be moved if they needed to jump up that high. Because after I tweeted that, I thought, you know, I need to look at that. I need to look at their sheet and see actually what's movable. And yeah, Little and Simons are the two that I think losing them and their replacement value combined with the defender you're going to get at five is likely something that, again, I don't know what they'd have to attach, but I, I think it's doable. Yeah. And Simons is, you know, kind of the more popular name of the two, but Little is somebody that I really would enjoy having in Cleveland. Is it just a a raw but really, really good athlete and just somebody who has a really high defensive ceiling? If we could go and get, you know, Nasir in a trade to move back, obviously I'm not going to say that you're going to do it just for Nasir, but that would be a piece that I would be more than happy to take if I'm Cleveland. Right. I mean, if yeah, if you're Cleveland and you think, okay, I can either take Vassell at five, Okoro at five, or Kongwu at five, or I can get Nasir Little and number 16, you know, that becomes an interesting discussion because at 16, you're in the RJ Hampton, Achua, Josh Green, Tyrese Maxey, Pokusevsky kind of area. So it's, would you rather have Okoro or Vassell, or would you rather have Little and one of those other guys? So the value proposition there of number five, if the point guards are gone, becomes really interesting. Yeah. What do you think of – we kind of touched on him earlier, but what do you think of Patrick Williams? And is that somebody who, say, they do trade back with Portland? Where do you see Patrick Williams falling, and how do you like his fit on the Cavs? 
So Patrick Williams, again, I think five would be a little high, but there are yeah. some people that we've talked to that have him comfortably in the top 10, and I understand why. I mean, he's a huge kid. He's very young. shows flashes of, of high basketball IQ, good intelligence, and can impact both ends of the floor. You know, physically, he's, he's so strong. He'll have to actually work on becoming more fluid of an athlete. He can be kind of stiff sometimes. Um, but I see five being a little bit too high, um, but – Let's see if you can slide back and get him. I think that fit is good in Cleveland for the same reason that the Avdia fit is good. Okay. Looking at Detroit or New York, who are some pieces that they would give up, do you think, in a potential trade to move up to number five? Who are some pieces you think that they would be willing to part with to move up? Um, actually, let me look. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the Knicks sure. cap sheet here, see what we got. Um, let's see, to move up from eight to five, you know, if they think they can get, I mean, if they think they can get LaMelo or Hayes there, I think you'd have to dangle Kevin Knox or Nick Kalina. I think, I, I believe in Mitchell Robinson too much, too much to trade him up three spots. Yeah, I don't think they're going to give him up. Yeah, but Knox and, and Frank, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that's at least what you're asking for, whether or not they do that. I'm unsure, but I think that's at least what you ask for. And then yeah. you said Detroit for the other one. Detroit, yeah. Yeah, their, their sheet is, is so interesting because a lot of the guys that they <laughs> like are making no money. Christian yeah. Wood's making 1-6. Sekou's making 3-4 next year. You don't want to move Kennard. I mean, I don't I don't know. It prob- for Detroit, you're probably looking a pick and then a future. You're probably looking – um, you know, a couple picks in the future and not, not even necessarily a young player. Yeah. Do you think, say that, say LaMelo falls to that spot. Do you think Seku is a piece that would be willing to part with to go and get a LaMelo ball? No, I, I don't think there's a chance. They, they love him in Detroit. Um, they love him and they think he's a part of uh, the part of the future there. Now, granted, there's a price for everything. So <laughs> that's not to say that, you know, a, a deal couldn't be reached, but I think that would, it would take a lot to get him out of there. Yeah. I think that we kind of, going back to the Knicks real quick, we kind of know what Nidokina is at this point as a player, as far as what he can be, as far as someone who's not going to overwhelm you on offense, but can be a solid, you know, defensive minded backup point guard. Kevin Knox, on the other hand, I really don't know what he's going to be at this point. What do you see him being? And in a role like Cleveland, where he's probably coming off the bench as a rotation 3 4. What do, what do you see as Kevin Knox's ceiling as a player at this particular moment? I mean, he's just going to have to figure out that that jump shot. I mean, he came in and obviously it's anybody like 6'8 with long arms, a lot of NBA guys just drool over. So I, under, I understand why the hype was there and why he was picked where he was. But he shot 35% from the floor, 32% from three, and 65 from the free throw line last year. And I don't care how big you are, that's just not going to cut it. So I think – the only way you move that you trade for him or ask for him is if you trust your development system. If you trust them to, to help him correct the discrepancies or that you know whatever's going on in that shot. And if he can, at that point, you have what he was drafted to be—a six six foot eight long wing guy who can handle the ball a little bit and can put pressure on the defenses by scoring all over the floor. So just kind of depend on what what kind of risk you're willing to take. If you think you can take what's broken and fix it yourself then it's well worth it. But if you don't trust your system enough to do that in a short amount of time, I don't know if that would make a lot of sense to bring him in. 
right. Looking at one more thing here. As I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, Brad Doherty was by far the best dressed of all of the lottery, I guess, I don't know, representatives for each team. I don't know if you watched the draft lottery last night and if you saw oh, yeah. him in, in particularly. Everyone else was just wearing, you know, Curry was wearing a sweatshirt. A lot of people were wearing polos. Brad Darty was decked out. He was dressed up. So it was disappointing that they didn't give Cleveland a little bit more love just for, for that alone. I don't know if you he had any de- thoughts he de- he on deserved, him. He deserved more airtime. I mean, if you're if you're rocking a bow tie, you deserve more airtime. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's all I've got, Derek. Thank you so much again for doing this. It was great to have you on. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Derek, do you have anything else you want to say? Um, no, I, I appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me. I, I always enjoy talking the draft. And again, this is going to be the most overanalyzed, over critiqued draft class probably in the history of the league. And that's no one's fault. It just is what it is. So anytime we get to talk about it, uh, I appreciate it. So I appreciate you hitting me up. Shameless plug for Babcock Hoops. Follow us on Twitter at Babcock Hoops and then Matt Babcock as well. Um, always, always staying up to date. We're putting pieces on our website and we've got a new mock draft coming out. Pretty early next week, so be sure to check that out as well. Absolutely. So again, if you enjoyed the podcast, rate, review, do everything else you like to a podcast that you enjoy listening to. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.